This podcast is brought to you by Business Radio, powered by Wharton. You're listening to Bay Area Ventures on Business Radio, powered by the Wharton School, Sirius XM 111. Here again, Doug Collum. Welcome back, everybody. This is SiriusXM's Bay Area Ventures. Uh, as always, we're broadcasting still from the Wharton San Francisco campus here in San Francisco. Um, I'm your host, Doug Collum. If for people who are just now dialing into our program, we, we focus on, uh, as I mentioned before, we focus on CEOs and founders and VCs and thought leaders here in the, in the San Francisco Bay Area. Our focus does tend to be venture-backed companies that are um, local to the Wharton San Francisco campus. We're joined now by Joel Flory, who's the CEO and co-founder of a company called Visco. I mispronounced it in the first hour as <laughs> V-S-C-O, but it's pronounced Visco, yes. and uh, it's an Oakland-based photography and social network app. We'll spend more time on that. Uh, sorry, Joel, welcome to the program. Thank you for having me. So maybe to start, Give us a summary view of what is it that the company does. Yeah, so we build creative tools and a community driven by self-expression. We're really focused around equipping, educating, and inspiring anyone on the journey to realize their creative potential. So the first question that immediately comes to mind, is that for people like me who are point-and-click photographers, you know, no expertise? or people who are more professional-level photographers? Both. Um, really, anyone that's wanting to invest in their creative journey, becoming a better creator, taking where they're at and learning more, uh, finding greater inspiration, expanding their horizons. Um, and it's really not about a specific demographic or a specific level of expertise, but really anyone on that journey. Okay, we'll come back to that for sure. Yeah. There's, that's, that, that packages up a lot of stuff. So your background... Joel, like where where are you from? How did you how did you get into this space? Yeah, yeah just so, kind of the basics of, of your journey to get here. Yeah, so born and raised here in the Bay Area, grew up in San Leandro, um, went to San Leandro High School, and from a creative perspective, my mom is one that I knew every museum and gallery within the Bay Area on their free day, and my mom would lug us around in an old Volvo station wagon. Yeah. Um, and it was really expanding our horizons to art. And it was not something that I was particularly um, passionate about at a younger age, but I am really you thankful. You didn't have a choice, and you will like art. <laughs> yeah. I, I was, you know, it was interesting. It was, it was more for the journey. Um, yeah. And it was something that I really enjoyed seeing my mom's passion uh, for art and creativity. And so that was something that I really stuck with me. And so um, I left to go to college at Cal Poly San Luis Obispo. Oh, yeah. Studied industrial technology. Really? Yeah. Um, Boy, that was a switch. Well, it, you know, it's interesting. So industrial Your technology. Your mom was probably not too pleased about that. Yeah, you know, I was happy that I went to college. <laughs> uh, um, and, you know, really driven. And, but a part of that was always traveling, um, seeing the world through other people's eyes. And something interesting about the degree at Cal Poly around industrial technology is that it's really entrepreneurship at its core. Um, driven in the organization was really around business management of engineering. Um, this is a Cal Poly? Yeah. Really? Yeah. And so, you know, it was a half business, half engineering, um, in which I actually look at my career today. It, it's really where I spend my time. Um, and it's, yeah. I, I feel very thankful. A lot of organizational behavior classes, how to work together really? in groups. Um, it was really fascinating. Um, 
And so very thankful for that. But I went to set out to be a consultant, um, but met a, met a woman um, and moved to Seattle uh, to follow her. Um, and through that, started my career in photography. It was, it was a skill that I had um, growing up and started to, I traveled a lot during college and would take photos and quickly realized that, you know, I have a, I have an act for this. You have a talent for it. Yeah. Really? Yeah. Oh. And it was just around how I saw the world and, and capturing that. And so I started to sell photos while in college and out of college, I, you know, started to kind of work as a photographer and the career really took off. And so it's something that I did professionally for 10 as years. As in a revenue generating career. Yeah. So the, oh. fir- the first year I did everything from uh, photos for local small printing business to a uh, starving musician trying to get their first album out. Um, but really where I hit my knack was um, my first year I shot three weddings. And the next year, 20 weddings. And the year after that, 40 God. weddings. Um, and This is all kind of up in the Seattle area? Well, it started in Seattle. So I yep. met my wife um, up there. We were married in Issaquah and then moved down that year to Oakland. Okay. And so the business was... First year was in Seattle, second year really based here in the Bay Area. And you got some serious traction in your in this nascent business. It was I mean, it was over the ten years we photographed over four hundred and forty weddings, oh, traveled wow. um on six different continents shooting weddings. Um was really a great opportunity and really expanded my horizons um to really running a business, understanding the needs of the creative, going much beyond just the tools that they use, but really around the community around the mentorship um, and so much of, it was kind of the birth of social media happened midway through my career and that just viral, that ability to engage and communicate with other photographers around the world and best business practices was something that was really beneficial to me. So when did you make the leap from your own photography business to this new company called Visco? I yeah. mean, was, what, was there a, a catalyst that, spark that? So I was definitely the one that was always thinking of what was next. Um, worked at a couple different, um, with a couple different friends on a couple different startup ideas, trying to see where I would fit in, what could potentially be kind of the next phase of my career. And really centered around this notion of I wanted to build something that I felt, or be a part of something I felt that I was uniquely positioned to help on that really leveraged my past experiences. And so I'd worked early on um, in 2007 um, on helping my dad rebrand his construction company here in the Bay Area um, and hired an agency out of Seattle. Um, And they had recently done the work for a band called (coughs) Jimmy World. And so for my dad, I wanted something different um, for his construction company. And so hired this agency, and that's ultimately where I met my co-founder, Greg Lutzi, was the art director um, on the project. And we realized we hit it off, had so many kind of shared interests. And so from 2007 through 2011, about every year or so, I would ping Greg with a business idea and see if he wanted to join me on it. And he's like, "Uh, I don't know, maybe not. Um, (coughs) But it was really the concept of Visco where we wanted to build something for creators by creators. Uh, we felt as a photographer and as a designer, we understood the creative community unlike those that were serving um, our respective fields uh, at the time. And so it's something that we built out that we felt we could do something our way. 
So I, I need to stop you. Yeah. I, I get. I think I get what you're saying, but I'm, I need an example. So you're out there. You're doing 400 plus weddings <clears throat> in terms of photography. That's yeah. that's highly pre- precise, highly professional photography. Yeah. And then you're saying, well, I, that's not creative enough. I want to go do something that's creative. What does this mean to be creative? I mean, well, it wasn't that it wasn't creative enough. I think in working for someone else and really when you're doing client-based work. Oh, I see. You're, you're building for or creating for someone else and their needs. And I loved it. Like there's, you know, I wouldn't, uh, I wouldn't give it up for anything. And I'd. I count those 10 years as some of the best years yeah. of my life. And I'm very thankful for all the people that I met and I got to be a part of like one of the happiest days of their lives. But for me, it was something where I was building a business for others and I was building something where I was continually creating who I was based on what their needs were, not on what I wanted and what I felt was best. And I wasn't being able to impact as many people as possible. And also it was kind of as my family was starting to grow, I was realizing as my kids were coming to the age of school uh, and going to kindergarten that my time off was when they were in school and my busiest time was their time off of nights and weekends and summers. And so I was trying to really think of for my career, what was that next phase that would allow me to kind of really be there for my family, but also make an even greater impact. So you and, and uh, Greg Lutz, is that his name? Lutzi. Lutzi. Yeah decided to throw in together in this thing called Visco. Correct. So yeah. how, how did that come about? Well, it was, somebody had, had a, an inspired idea. Yeah. You know, it was, it was something where I think initially, so Greg had helped design a website for me, and it was something where a lot of other photographers would reach out to Greg and myself to, for similar services. Mm-hmm. And so I pitched Greg on the idea of building a business on WordPress templates for photographers. Um, and quickly we realized that actually what we really would rather do is build an actual kind of website building platform ourselves. And so we sought out what that would take. And so started to bring together relationships with past people that I'd come across over my time um, to see if they'd want to join us on building this. And we set out to raise funding, to raise the seed round of money to get this company off the ground and had the great idea that we could actually throw a workshop for photographers on their um, photography career and how to build a business. And so the business was really actually built here in San Francisco. We launched a workshop in August of 2011 um, for 40 photographers. And that's where we raised our first amount of money um, to get the business off the ground. So, so the premise, I'm still struggling. You're bringing together a community of people who are like-minded. They all are passionate about photography and they're trying to what to access tools that enable them to edit, yeah. Well, it, more that, creatively, or well, that, is it that, that's definitely what it grew into? I think when it started, we believed there would be a good business around selling website templates. Oh, I see. Okay, um, and then yep. ultimately, actually, kind of really a portfolio builder and website builder for creatives was the initial premise. Um, and after the workshop, and really kind of going to seek a larger round of funding to get the company off the ground. One of uh, the team members, um, Zach Hodges, had this idea to help save me time on running the business, and it was to help my editing workflow within Lightroom so that I spent less time editing and more time trying to get this business off the ground. And upon, um, this was a way of kind of hacking Adobe's camera raw profiles. It was a native tool within Lightroom, Mm -hmm. and it was a, he, he sent it to me one night, and it cut my workflow in half 
from about 12 hours to six hours. And I was like, wow, I think we could sell this. So we built a website um, about three weeks later with five tweets. We launched this product that we called and still is called today Visco Film. And we thought it would just be something to generate a little bit of revenue to help keep us going. Yeah. Uh, generated over a quarter of a million dollars in 48 hours oh. and just was like, oh my gosh. God, what have we done? <laughs> <laughs> we have to support this. This is a business. This yeah. isn't. And so Visco really has been continuing to understand how we can improve the quality of life, how we can equip creatives with the tools needed. And it started with tools for film emulation in Lightroom and Photoshop. And we've continued to build upon that. And really, you know, a few months later, we launched um, Visco Cam, which was the mobile app to really drive awareness of our desktop product. And this was 2012, a mobile app really around editing the way we were creating these looks of film in Lightroom and Photoshop. And instantly, within the first week, we realized this was it. Like mobile was really where the future lied. And we started the, the pickup of the app at that time was something that we had never thought or imagined could happen. And so we started to see the usage. It's kind of early days of Instagram and the hashtag ViscoCam showing up everywhere on um, Instagram and on Twitter and really starting to see this community um, that was beyond what our target market initially was of professional photographers. We started seeing designers and people that wouldn't actually consider that call themselves a photographer using this app to create. And so really with the rise of the mobile phone, it was right around the time of the launch of the iPhone 4S, which if you remember, really one of the core differentiators of the 4S over the 4 was the camera. It oh, was doubling yeah. the megapixel. It was kind of the new and improved. All the marketing around mm -hmm. the phone was around the camera and kind of had this insight that if Apple was going to be launching new flagship products based off of camera improvements, and that's everything that would be marketed around, probably meant they were going to continue to invest in creating a better mobile camera. And so we put everything from that we were putting towards the desktop and went all in on mobile. Um, and that was really, we relaunched the app in 2013. And the app that you know today around a community of sharing, um, but not based around social metrics of popularity, likes and comments, but more around quality and inspiration and discovery um, was launched in 2013. Got it. So let me <clears throat> hold that thought. I do want to come back to it. Um, for people just now dialing into us, this is Bay Area Ventures. I'm Doug Collum. Our guest this hour is Joel Flory, who's the co-founder and CEO of Visco. We'll come back to the name of the company here in just a second. Um, but I wanted to ask this question. I, I, I want to ask you, Joel, to take a step back. How big is this market for, I mean, um, for lack of a better appellation, like creative photography? How how big is that market? I mean, you're you're launching a business into it. So you must have some sense of, is there a huge sucking sound and, you know, you got a ton of orders in 48 hours for, right out of the box? I mean, give us a sense for market size. Yeah, so we like to think of it kind of back to that original who, are, who we're building for. And you asked, is it just anyone who's starting out and point and shoot to yeah. the professional photographer? And we really look at it as the rise of the mobile phone and the core differentiator today. And if you look at any billboard around you know, an Apple device, Samsung, the Pixel, it's all about the camera. And people are investing in these high-end phones because of the camera. And so we really look at those that are investing in higher-end phones really being the target market 
uh, an opportunity um, that that's there for Visco. Um, the incumbent in the space around tools, the creative tools space, you know, you have Adobe with the Creative Cloud, um, you know, and at their $110 billion market cap now, uh, continuing to, to really grow. Little under half of that is around the creative space and the creative tools space. So it's something that there's a great opportunity already, and that's heavily desktop and uh, professional driven. And it's just every day more and more people are coming online. And so our fastest growing demographic is 13 to 17-year-olds. Oh, really? Um, sev- I thought differently. Yeah. 73% of Visco's community and users are under the age of 25. So this is really people coming online for the first time with a device that's allowing them to express themselves, for allowing them to capture the world they see around them, share, and, and really at a high-end quality. You know, the first mobile phones and the photos, they're, yeah. they're very gimmicky. Um, so, you know, in my notes, I had down that I was going to, I mean, my, my notion was that Visco would be targeting different sub communities with different marketing messages and different um, product features to support. But in fact, that's not the case at all. It's, it's one set of, it's an expanding set of tools, and it's a, it's a very, uh, a very broad market without, you don't, define it by sub-communities within that market. No. So when we look at the creative journey, it's something that no person's creative journey is the same as anyone else's. And so it's something where we're really looking to personalize that experience. What are you looking for in your creative journey? What tools do you need? How do we help find the people and content that you find inspiring? So leveraging technology, proprietary technology that we have in-house that we call AVA, which is our computer vision machine learning technology. Um, how do we understand what it is that inspires you? How do we find like-minded content um, and also similar creators that you might be interested in? And how do we expand your horizons? Our team internally is also working on creating content on helping you better understand the tools that we've equipped you with, as well as how to apply them and ultimately break rules and you know create new things. And how so Joel, to- let me ask you a question, a use case. So yeah. it sounds like you have a an active... Uh, an active loop with every consumer of your product. I mean, so I was thinking, if, I'm not creative, but if I were going to get inspired and do something with a cell phone camera or with something, yeah. uh, a camera, I go out and photograph clouds. Because I think clouds can be magical. So if I get onto the Visco platform and I start using the tools, does my usage of those tools circle back to the company and suddenly you're aware that there's somebody out there who's trying to photograph clouds and doing interesting things with the, with the editing tools. I don't want to shape this. I'm just trying to understand better what it is that Visco does. Yeah, so you know, there's different levels of personalization that we have right now within the product. So we, we recently launched in the past year um, our flagship product, ViscoX, and this is our subscription service um, that really is equipping you with the best tools, education mm-hmm. um, around for, for your creative journey. And so we'll understand the content that you're um, sharing within the community. We'll also recommend other people that are creating similar content. As you click on one of your photos of clouds, you'll see other related images. And it might not be a cloud, but it might be something that incorporates the texture of the cloud, the tones Mm -hmm. of the photos within your cloud. Um, We'll also have other tools around how to, you know, take different... um, how to really compose your images in unique ways, how to use our tools to kind of 
uh, expose different subtle nuances within the images that you take. So we're really trying to equip and educate you with the wide variety of tools and education. So this is starting to sound like a social network. You know, is that, is that taking it too far? Well, you know, I think most, the way people think of a social network today being something that's a platform based around popularity and influence, it's different in that Visco is less about who you know, but more about who you're inspired by. And it's less about broadcasting a message to a large number of people as it is really finding inspiration from the people Mm -hmm. that you uniquely are inspired by. Mm -hmm. Good. So... Now I'm going to ask the hard question. How did yes. you come by the name of the company? Yeah, so um, back to the, we wanted to build websites for photographers. We needed something. We also wanted to build camera straps and educational DVDs and conferences and workshops and so on and so forth. So we came up with the name Visual Supply Company that was all-encompassing. Covers a lot of <laughs> water. Yeah. yeah. The problem was when we went to build the app, um, you can't really fit visual supply company underneath an app icon. <laughs> Too many letters. Too many letters. So we went with the acronym VSCO, which is Visco. Um, and so it quickly became known as Visco Cam. Um, and so as we've moved away from just the camera or just the tools, everything's Visco. Which piques curiosity in the part of people who hear the name. Like, yeah. How do you spell that? And uh, how, how go- did you come by go- it? Google it and you'll yeah, see yeah. so <laughs> many YouTube videos around people asking this question um, oh, and, and tweets about it. So uh, a snapshot of the company. Kind of how many employees? Where are you? Where, where um, are you venture backed? Uh, uh, where are you in the growth path of the company? I mean, this, this thing that started back in 2011. 2011, correct. I mean, here we are in 2018, seven years later. Yeah, give us... Uh, Kind of a summary view of what the company is about today. So we grew the first two and a half years in um, and without raising any funds. We were profitable um, from day one. Um, but So you never did that seed financing? Way we back never in- did it. Oh, really? We started making money. <laughs> and, so screw the seed financing. And went right to <laughs> a revenue generating product. Uh, real money. Yeah. yeah. Okay. And so that carried us to about 40 employees two and a half years in. Um, and then in April of 2014, we raised a $40 million Series A from Excel. I'm definitely coming back to that. That is uh, highly unusual. So, yeah, go ahead. And it was actually out of Excel's growth fund. Okay. So a non-traditional Series A. Um, and later that year... Um, so we, that was 2014 was the first Series A yeah. raise? And yeah. ser- Series B was the end of 2014, beginning of 2015, and we raised another $30 million. So within about a year's space? Year's space, we raised 70 million. million? 70 million. Wow. Um, And from there, we continued to really grow, launch the app on Android. Um, Roughly about 80% of Visco users are outside of the U.S., and it's evenly distributed around every country in the world. Sorry, where's the company based? The company's based in Oakland. Okay. Um, And how many employees? And the employees were just under 100 employees right now. Mostly in Oakland? Uh, almost entirely in Oakland. Okay. Yep. Yes. Okay. So, yeah. and where are you in the, I mean, as you step so, back and the company's on, is it in a development phase? Is it, you know, turning that corner and becoming much more commercially outward facing? Yeah. So we're in a, we're in a phase right now where we, as I mentioned earlier, we launched Visco X just a little over a year ago. Uh, which is our subscription service. And this is something that we have now one of the fastest growing subscription services ever. Um, And we're really excited by the early growth that we're seeing here. Um, Something that has been seen 
in, in very few companies in our space, or very, actually none in our space. Um, and so this, uh, this is where users can pay a money. Yeah, this is a $20 a year subscription mm-hmm. um, to exclusive tools, exclusive presets, um, and exclusive education on our platform. So is it, are the tools pretty cool? I mean, is it worth the 20 bucks? Yeah, so this is taking everything that we've built for photos yep. and being able to apply it to video, um, as well as other great, more professional-level tools, um, something called HSL, which is around hue, saturation, and luminance, um, tools around borders, applying borders to photos, um, and continuing to develop new and exciting tools in that space. Uh, as well as uh, Filmex, which is our highest end and highest quality uh, mobile presets on the app, leveraging um, our technology, um, our proprietary image processing technology that we're um, really, the, the results are second to none and something that we're really proud of. Um, so you're out, of, you're out of the website business. You're totally focused on mobile? Totally focused on mobile, correct. And... Um, you, you raised a ton of money, and yeah. now you're really focused on continuing to build the subscription business. Yeah, and so what, what, tell us about other parts of your financial model. Are you is it just a subscription business? Workshops. I mean, you mentioned you were oh, doing so workshops we're, at one point. Yeah, we're we're exclu- You know, we are exclusively focused on our subscription business, and something where you know we sit within the top um, twenty five. Uh, number one grossing in about 25 countries in the world in photo video on iOS and Android. Um, we sit in the top 100 in 88 countries, 88 to 90 countries in the world in photo video. Whoa. Um, yeah. And consistently in the top 125 overall grossing on iOS in the U.S. So it's something um, where we're building a very substantial business um, off of our subscription service. Um, I've got to ask a question. Marketing. So what started as kind of a local community-oriented thing has turned into an international business? Correct. Do you, uh, you've got to talk about marketing. You know, it's, it's interesting. So we have we've always been focused on really amplifying what our community is creating, um, taking all of our marketing efforts to uncovering the talent and the content being created on our platform and helping share that with the world. And so... We've been primarily focused through editorial efforts on our own and utilizing our social channels to really highlight who's on our platform and what they're creating. Um, we're con- consistently starting to develop more and more on the marketing front, but it's an area that we're really excited to actually invest a lot more in in the future. So marketing sounds like most of it is um, marketing material that emanates from the company itself. Yeah. You don't have to go Almost. out and hire Marketing agencies or no, marketing enti- consultants or it's been entirely SEO or- consultants. It's been entirely organic. And that is what's taken you overseas as well. The overseas happened instantly. Um, you w- weren't trying. It just no. you, you built it and they came. Yeah. Is that how it happened? Exactly. Really? Yeah. I think, I think you know, there was definitely a space and a need for a place to share photos in which you weren't judged based upon your popularity, but you were... Your content was seen for what what it was trying to say. And it was something where, it was a space where on, on Visco, there's no public likes or comments. So when you're looking at an image, all you see is the artist's name in the image. And there's no one else's validation of whether or not this is a good photo or whether or not you find it inspiring. There's no like or dislike or nope. friends or whatever. You yeah. can favorite it. Yep. Um, you can repost it. 
Um, but all of that is more private. So you're, you're sending a private notification to the user and it does not publicly, um, it's not publicly displayed with the image. You can't see how many followers someone has. You can't see how many times an image has been favorited. Mm -hmm. None of those metrics are publicly visible. So, so now I'm going to ask, again, kind of trying to unwrap the, the business of the company itself. Of the 100 employees, I asked the same question of our last guest. How does it break down by department or by specialty? Engineering, uh, sales, marketing, admin. I mean, how does the 100 employees, it's, that's, a, that's a big size. Yeah. Um, you know, we're, we're predominantly focused around the biggest areas and biggest needs of the, of the business. And so it's roughly around two-thirds in building the product. Still. Uh, yeah. Very focused on oh, creative yeah. tools. Yeah. No sales team. Um, this is, yeah. Um, and just starting to really scale out. You're so casual about this, but you should know there are companies that would give their right arm to have this sort of, this sort of uh, touch with the communities they're trying to reach. You know? Yeah. You know, it's, it's, our, it's our focus and it will continue to be our focus. I mean, it's, it's really around building the best product possible yeah. and the best experience possible for our community. Wow, that's pretty amazing. So I'm, I guess the question for people who are listening the first half hour, I mean, this company ramped quickly, uh, and you're doing great. You're, in, you're selling product all over the world. It's a subscription basis. Um, have, you, have you been surprised by the growth rate of the company? Yeah, you know, I think... Or are you just smug? This is the way we always planned it. Business plans always no, work this I mean, way. This is easy. I, I definitely dream big. <laughs> so the my aspirations for this to, to reach kind of any and everyone in the world have never diminished. Like it's been there from day one. Yeah. Um, I think how it's been received is definitely something that has taken me back and I've been... Surprised you. Oh, absolutely. Because I think especially the biggest surprise in moving beyond just professional photographers. Like as a professional photographer for 10 years, I knew we could reach that group of users. Um, but after that, I was really blown away on how it just spread. And I think it's really human nature to create and to express oneself. And I think everyone's looking for a way, um, whether superficial or not, or for, for the right intention or not, they, they want to become better. They want their photos to look better. Um, they want to present themselves in a better light. And I think really that has struck a chord. And I think it's really the rise of mobile has we've coincided. And so really a lot for the creative space, what Adobe was to the PC era, Visco has been to the mobile era. And so it's something that, you know, we've really been at the right place at the right time. Um, we were able to raise based upon kind of that being at the right place at the right time and having that fit with a community um, that was extremely young, uh, extremely diverse and from every walk of life all over the world. Um, and really over the last year, really taken all of our learnings for the first couple of years and really apply it to a business model that works that we're really excited about. So I'm going to ask you, this is a basic question. I, you know, I do a little bit of research before guests come on the program and I looked up at the website and you're right. It's, you can't get anything off the website. I mean, realistically, when I'm looking for more about the, the company, where is it, you know, how many rounds of financing and so forth. I have to go to other sites to find out information about Visco. How do people get in touch with you? I mean, this is not, <laughs> you can plug this all you want, but I'm intrigued. I'd like to know. I mean, there, there is a, a, a field where you can subscribe to the company without knowing anything more about it, right? I mean, so. Yeah, you know, very early on, we realized that um, we were not going to focus on the web. 
um, and on our website. It's something that, you know, we have one because we need one. Um, we'll look at how we can leverage that more in the future. Um, but it's been something that we've been completely focused on our mobile app. So that means I have to go and download the app. Download the app. And what's going to inspire me to download the app? Um, usually it's Word someone else. Yeah, usually really? it's someone else. So it's usually someone in, someone either you find inspiring, um, someone you know, sharing how it's impacted them. And that's really been what we've focused on our business. Um, that if we can deliver a valuable experience that someone s- finds adding value to their life, they will share that with others. And so that's entirely what we focus our business and efforts on is creating the best product possible so that people will share it with other people. So if people want to use the site or use the, the tools, there's some tool, basic tools that are free, and then you can subscribe for access to the more refined Correct. tools. Is and, that we have, idea? We, and we have a free seven-day trial that you can use to really experience the, oh, interesting. the, the premium tools. And okay, so, so now we're going to shift gears again. I mean, yeah. this, is, this is a great story. As I told you, Joel, during the break, that I – this company has turned out to be very different than what I thought it was going to be when I first started talking with you half an hour ago. Financing. Yes. So there are a lot of people who are listening in, um, current and aspiring entrepreneurs. And, you know, the, the wisdom in the ecosystem is, well, you start with seed capital. You know, in the, in, around here, it's like somewhere between two and four million bucks. And then you go to your Series A round, which could be on, on average – you know, maybe seven to 12 million bucks. And we can talk about pre-money valuation and all that stuff. But the point is, you go from a, you know, by Bay Area standards, a fairly modest seed level to a series A round that is, you know, as I say, seven to 12 million. You guys went out and raised 40. (laughs) So I'd like to understand what was going on there. And you raised it from one of the Blue Ribbon firms, VC firms, institutional financial VC firms here in the Bay Area, Axel Partners. How did you do that? Yeah, you know, I think it really starts again. And my advice to everyone is, build the best product possible, um, and build the best business possible. Um, we were lucky enough that we were able to find fit out of the gate with a product that was generating revenue. Um, and so you were not just cash positive, but profitable by the oh, time you started looking for funding. Oh, absolutely. We were pro- we were profitable from day one. Every day until how nice uh, for you, <laughs> yeah, you know and 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 honestly, it's something that was a part of our goals starting out was to build something um, really generational, something you know a br- we're, we're big fans of great brands that people identify with um, and that have kind of this lasting impact and really define an era, and so it's something that we really set out from in the beginning, and we're fortunate enough to really have a business that worked out of the gate, and we met a need. We built a product that people found value in. Um, it was easy to use, one click, and your photos looked amazing. And so that's really what we started out of the gate with um, and felt very fortunate. So, so I'm going to come back to you because I, yeah. I mean, some, some of our guests, you know, it's anguishing to listen to their story about fundraising. Yeah. It, because how long it takes and how many doors they knocked on and they end up, it's, it's like hand-to-hand combat sometimes when you're looking for capital. So I'd like to understand how your story unfolded. I mean, I, without revealing confidences and so forth, but how long did it take? How many doors did you have to knock on? And by the way, did, did you go in and without blinking say, I need $40 million? I mean, how- um, <laughs> you know, so we didn't actually go knocking anywhere. Um, everything, it came to you. Everything was inbound. Um, and that was really the success and the growth of the product. 
um, our rise to the charts. In 2013, we were runner-up app of the year for Apple. Uh, TechCrunch Crunchies, we were runner-up. Um, In terms of what? Growth? No, it's to Snapchat. No, for the TechCrunch Crunchies. For, oh, really? Uh, the awards mo- given mo- out. Mobile yeah, yeah. app of the sure. year. Oh, yeah. Um, and we were the only app at the time from TechCrunch that had never been featured on TechCrunch because we just didn't fit the model. We hadn't raised any capital. Yeah. Uh, myself and my co-founder had never worked in the startup before. I was going to say you must no no experience with none yeah. at all. And so, <clears throat> you know, it's really it's the story of building a product that works and that resonated with our community. So I'm curious, just to kind of build out the the drama yeah. here, how many inbound phone calls from investors did you receive before you closed on the Series A round? Um, you know, within probably a year, there was well over fifty plus inbound. Isn't that annoying when people call you and ask to give you money? You know, um, well, it it wasn't. <laughs> it actually, why one of the reasons that we looked at this was is that it was not, it was not the focus. I was heads down on building the best company possible, and we didn't need the capital. Um, what we ultimately raised the capital was is we started to see it was something where we saw the growth and especially the international growth. And the platform of people sharing the engagement was going through the roof. And it was something where one of the examples early on is we were using um, a metrics company um, to measure engagement. And we got a call from them 48 hours after turning it on. And they're like, just wanted to let you know that you've gone through the month allowance. Um, (laughs) And we got another call, another 48 hours of like, you know, back to what we kind of said, like, this is like, this is how much it will cost you over $50,000 a month. And we're like, well, that's five engineers. Uh, we'll pull the plug on yeah. this. And so this was, again, just what we were focused, but we realized as the business was scaling, we had this opportunity to continue to really bring this to as many people as possible. And so the round with Excel was really focused. You asked about the amount. Um, it was both about amount, but more important about the partner in Ryan Sweeney, who's the managing He's partner, the par- okay, partner yeah. at Excel yeah. um, that led the round. Uh, he and Vas Natarajan, who's another partner at Excel. Um, we really loved the working relationship that we saw in them. We saw their desire to help amplify our vision and not change it um, and how they really wanted to work alongside us to make Visco the best it could be. Um, and so it was really that opportunity of finding the right people to work alongside with um, and them to really equip us and give us the room to figure out the right business for the future because the business we had at the time was great for the time, but was not the one that would scale with us for the future, which is why, you know, we recently launched our subscription service in which we're really excited by the growth of. So I'm going to go off, off script here and ask you a different question because there, there is this perception. It's a fairly widespread perception around the United States venture community around the tech community that's supported by VCs that somehow there's this um, there's this there's this dark side to taking venture capital. That suddenly you know people are looking you know investors who are sitting on your board are looking steely eyed at you. There's an expectation. There's a clock ticking. You've got to hit you've got to hit your benchmarks without fail. There ultimately needs to be an exit within a reasonable period of time for them to achieve their IRR and so forth. Yeah. Did you? How did you think about that? I mean, especially when you're taking you know, a chunk of 40 million bucks without going into valuations of the company, you're giving up a fairly big pound of flesh to bring that money in. I mean, were you, were you worried, anxious? Uh, yeah. Um, no, you know, I think actually with where our business was at at the time um, and, you know, we were a- able to really 
maintain the control that we wanted. Um, but I think it really came down to the relationship. The, the people, the people. relationships. Yeah, yeah, and I think, you know, when people talk about the dark side, it's it's really around people. And so this is something that, you know, Ryan was the right partner to work with and his long-term vision aligned with our incentives. And So to ask a yeah. quick question, was he a, did he have domain expertise in, the, in photography? No, his domain expertise is actually in coming alongside great teams and helping make them better. And so I found a partner that was able to listen and, you know, push conventional wisdom, try new things, explore, and really try to help build a category-defining company. And so I spoke to a lot of CEOs that had worked with Ryan, and it was something that I found. As part of your diligence process yeah, exactly. before taking that check? Oh, absolutely. Yeah. Yeah, the working relationship was everything for me. So, and it still is. It's why we are where we are today is because of our relationship with the investors that we have on board. Um, and so we're aligned with the incentives ultimately to deliver value to shareholders and, and our community mm -hmm. and to do something that's um, really value with what we do or delivering value to both at the same time. So by delivering a great product that people are willing to pay us for, we're delivering value to our shareholders. Um, for people just dialing in, I'm talking to Joel Flory, who is the CEO and co-founder of Visco, and uh, which is a... a how would you describe it? Now I'm, I'm at a loss for words how to describe this company. It's a, it's a photography sharing uh, platform? We, we say a photo company, um, and we're really focused around the creative journey, equipping you, educating yeah. you, and inspiring you on your creative journey. So uh, now I'm going to turn the tables on you personally as a CEO of the company. This is kind of the, the, the conversation shift that I think is interesting. There are people listening who I think would be uh, who are probably taking notes, wondering how the hell did this guy do this? Um, so you came out of um, you came out of college and you launched this. It was kind of a photography business, and here we are, seven years later, and you've raised seventy million in, in capital, and you've got users in multiple countries around the world. Yeah. Uh, so you start with a co-founder, and today you have a hundred employees. Yeah. So what is uh, I mean, there's so many things to talk about. Let me just start at, at 100,000 feet. How hard has it been for you to stay ahead of this, this wave in terms of managing a rocket ship company? You know, I mean, is it, maybe that's not put right, but you know what I'm saying? Yeah, the company it, has expanded dramatically in the last seven years. I think it's something where I myself have to grow at an equal or greater rate than the business itself is growing. And I found the best way to do that is to surround myself with people that are better than myself, people that challenge me, that have been there before. So whether it's an advisory board um, with great individuals um, like Emily White, who was at uh, Google and Facebook and COO at Snapchat, um, Jack Krawczyk, who was the head of product for Pandora, um, Jason Maiden, who was head of design and innovation at Nike and now just launched a, an amazing company for kids called Super Heroic surrounding myself with these individuals to hiring some of the best talent around people that have been there and done that and not being afraid to give, to empower them to make decisions. Um, so to really set a clear vision for where I want to go and then bringing along the best people possible um, to push us and help drive the business to where it needs to go. So it takes a certain amount of self-confidence to bring in people, hiring people. Advisors are one thing because it's a you know, it's a touch point when you yeah. need a touch point. But when you're hiring people, I mean, I've heard this many times that if you hire people who are better than you, then everybody grows. 
but it takes some self-confidence to do that. So you, you must, do you have that? I mean, you must have it if you're doing it. You know, I, I think it's less, it's not so much self-confidence as it is. I really desire to grow. Like I enjoy the process of tearing myself down and building it back up and learning, um, constantly reading as much as possible, being challenged. Reading like business texts and that kind of thing? Kind of everything. Yeah. Um, Across the board, a lot of business texts, a lot of history, uh, those that have gone before me, um, both their successes and more importantly, their failures. And, And really, you know, being willing to take critical feedback from the team of where I'm adding the most value and where I'm uh, detracting from, from, from the business. And so kind of taking that feedback, creating a plan of how I'm going to grow and how lead the company more efficiently, more effectively. Um, And I really enjoy it. It, It's something that I think at the first time I received the feedback of what I was, what I could improve on was very difficult. Um, But I've really learned to love the process of receiving feedback, challenging myself on how I can grow and scale with the business. And so, um, yeah, it, it's a process I so, love uh, now. This is a cliched question, but I think people answer it differently. How would you describe your leadership style in the company? I mean, I think if you look around the Bay Area, there are icon- iconic companies that are well-known. Their, their CEOs are well-known because they have a very distinctive style of managing people, some positive, some not so positive, and so forth. You probably know, you have probably ideas in your own head. How would you describe your leadership style? Company that's got 100 employees, I assume you're still hiring headcount yes. growth as part of your intergalactic Visco. domination. Visco.co slash careers. Right. <laughs> yes. <laughs> that's what we use the website yeah. for. There you go. <laughs> Recruiting. Yes. Um, you know, my style is around getting the most out of people and really looking at building the team and growing the team. So I hear the words. Yeah. I mean, those are... I mean, that's almost like a platitude. What does it mean getting the most out of people? Does it mean... It's, it's, it, it's around organizational health. Um, so Patrick Lencioni, great book called The Advantage, talks about a company's greatest strategic advantage is how well they work together. And so that really starts from a top-down perspective in the leadership team and really ensuring that I have the best people around me on my leadership team, that we know each other's strengths and weaknesses, that I've put them in a place and set them up for success, equip them to make decisions and help drive the business to the best of their ability. Do you use metrics to do that? We do, yes. Yeah. Do you, what are, I mean, do you use like uh, beer keggers on Friday afternoon? I mean, no, I no, mean, I mean, this is a, we're a very intentional culture where we're, we're really focused around the, the work at hand, getting the most out of people, but also really enjoying life. So this is, again, remember I started this business my daughters were about to go to school, and I wanted something where I was able to spend quality time with them. So, um, you know, we have our priorities. Uh, for me, it's starting with taking the best care I can of myself, because if I can't take care of myself and I'm not physically and mentally fit, then I can't do the job to the best of my ability. Then taking care of my family, because if, if I fail them, nothing else matters. And then from that, then taking care of Visco and, and really ensuring that I lead to the best of my ability and that's really setting up a clear vision of where we're going and then really empowering people with how they can take ownership to help us achieve that. So you've got some pretty high-powered investors in the company, and you've got a company with a, you know, you, you, you keep setting the bar higher and higher and higher. Do you ever have doubts or, or do you ever have sleepless nights, Joel, about your ability to scale with the company as it grows? No. You know, I think... M- you know, my, 
I sleep really well. Um, that's, that's a great advice to any other entrepreneur out there is just sleep, sleep is ex- a lot. <laughs> sleep a lot. It's extremely important. Uh, the days can. of college of can. the days of college of two hours. No, and I know and getting the company off the ground, you know, I slept two or three hours a night and yeah. cause I was running both the photo business, my Flory photo business and Visco at the same time to get it off the ground. Um, yeah, sleep is important. No, I mean, the, the sleepless nights are really around the opportunity that's in front of us and how we're uniquely positioned uh, and to really to take advantage of it as much as possible and to really continue to stay in front of the opportunity as much as we can and deliver I mean, the most I've, value. I read studies about successful companies and the percentage of companies where the co-founder CEO continues as the co-founder CEO as the company progresses through different stages of growth and different stages of financing. And it's, I mean, again, one study that I'm thinking of, um, there's about a 75% stick rate, you know, of co-founders staying as CEO of the company through pretty profound levels of growth. But that means there's a flip side of another 25% where, you know, things go south or sideways and the VCs kind of do what they have to do in order to save the company. But it sounds like you're, you like what you're doing. I love it. You've got a great lifestyle. Yeah. Your priorities are straight. And it's uh, it's nice to have a company that's kind of moving up and to the right on a continuing basis. That's great. Yeah. yeah. What's, what's, so what, what is your principal skill set, would you say, of all the different things that you do within the organization? If you're going to pick maybe one. Yeah. So it could be management organi- organizational management. It could be hiring and firing. It, it could be. It's really in building a healthy organization. Does that uh, fall in the category of cheerleading? Yeah. There, there's an element of like setting a very intentional culture. Yeah. Um, and really sticking to it. Are and, you a good communicator? Um, I do well at it, but it's definitely an area that I can improve in, especially written communication. Mm-hmm. As the organization starts to scale, I don't have the opportunity to speak with everyone at, all the time. And so every day I... For from one to one thirty, I have a coffee walk, and anyone can join. Really? Um, yeah, outside, just around the block. Yeah, there's a local coffee shop called Open um, on Fifteenth in Oakland. If anyone ever yeah. uh, between Franklin and Broadway, if you want to check it out, um, that will go and grab a group or just an employee, and it might be one, might be two, might be ten, um, and just really answer any questions that are on top of people's minds, giving them an opportunity to see where my head's at. So you're accessible. I try to be. Yes. Yeah. Yeah. Last question. We've got about 45 seconds. When you don't go to your advisors or your board members, you don't have a book around that's handy, and you've got a naughty problem that you haven't encountered before, who do you go to? My wife. Oh, for sure. Good instincts? Um, she's the best listener I know, um, and she knows me better than anyone else. So she knows my strengths and weaknesses. So a lot of times her analysis around the problem that I have is best – her solution's best suited for me. And so that's something that I find, I start there for sure. That's great. I mean, that's pretty, I've, I've not had, I've not heard that one before. That's oh, yeah. good. Every, every night when I get home, it's kind of what was top of mind, anything that she could help me think through. Um, and so she's just the best listener. So, Oh, boy, that's, that is a great I'm resource. very fortunate. Yeah. Um, I told you this was going to happen. We're out of time. Yes. <laughs> so, um, Joel, it's been great. It's been a wonderful discussion. Uh, it'd be great to have you come back and talk to our classes here at Wharton. Um, so for people who are listening, where can they go? They, they can download the download app. Download the app is the best and way. And they can do that for free? Download it for free. Okay. iOS and, and Android. 
VSCO. VSCO. Got it. For more insight from Business Radio, please visit businessradio.wharton.upenn.edu. Thank you.